Welcome to Shame Watch, a guilt-free dive in those massive movie failures that we hate to love. Each week, we look at a movie that either we or our guests love, but society shames them for. We peek and itch, eat, oof, oof, oof. I'm hot, I'm hot, I'm flubbing. Uh, hey, James, yeah. James, what's rule number three? I didn't self-deprecate. I said no I'm hot flubbing? and I'm flubbing. I didn't hear a mistake. Did you, Olivia? No. Did you not? Oh, I said uh, we peak in each. See, looks like you're just putting. Yourself... I said. I, I, I said instead of we peak in each nook and cranny. I said we peach. See, yeah, I have headphones that I can hear now. Yeah, what's wrong with that? that? Yeah, I didn't hear that. Oh. Well, I'm just hyper. Uh, we peek in each nook and cranny for every bright spot, keeping the public at bay while watching these movies like the miracles that they are. Today, we are tearing off out of Iowa into the big city of L.A. as we follow our dreams to be a singer and dancer as we watch burlesque. I'm James Fight, the grumpy one. And uh, to my left is the social media queen, the thirst trap lioness herself. <laughs> Olivia Slap and Swatas, a.k.a. Oli Rose. <laughs> and below her is our chief archivist. The Kenny one Madison, the, chief. Okay, never mind. I'll the fit. one, I guess the I'll only, wait. okay. Uh, the one, the only. Oh, is it? Is it my time to talk now? Yes. I give Kenny you Madison, chiefarchivistplatfilms.com. We're publishing at least one episode each week, either uh, here or on our Patreon feed. Subscribe to both. And we watched Burlesque. Uh, Aaron's not here today because uh, I don't know why. He didn't tell us. He just had a miss out. So we're he's doing... Being a good Samaritan. He's what? He's being a good Samaritan. Yeah, he's, he's being like... a good Samaritan, James. I mean, well, that's just a given. Aaron's always a good Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah. No, but he, he was like fulfilling a commitment that he had made yeah. you know, weeks ago. Oh, so. he's a good, good job, Samaritan. Aaron. Woo, he's a we good guy. We love you, Aaron. Yeah, he is a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, you know, there's a couple of not good guys in burlesque, though. Oh, yeah. We want to <laughs> dive into that. Uh, but before we do, Kenny, can you give us some context as to what well, this movie is? Hold James. Yeah. You're 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 moving so quickly. I'm listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready Let's to go. Let's set some groundwork because sure. this is the first episode of Rocktober, our month where we where we chronicle all of those guilty pleasure musicals that we just hate to sing along with. Mm-hmm. And we can't help it. Gosh darn it, we can't help it. But we must. We oh, by, by God, we must. Mm, and we do. And boy, howdy. Uh, are we starting off with a bang as two divas collide in an explosion of neon and glitter uh, with a film that is brought to us by our own detective herself, Olivia Slappin Suarez, who is coming loaded for bear in what seems to be one of her cherished guilty pleasure movies. Yeah. Olivia, before I set some context, I'd like to start a segment which is known as the pre context, where you establish some context of what the context that will later be established in this episode, because you're bringing this movie here. Why burlesque? Out of all the movies that you could have picked, why burlesque? Sure. Well, Kenny, I'm glad you clarified that it was me, because uh, otherwise the listener probably would have thought it was James who... 
Yeah, I'm. You, James, uh, you're a huge Xtina fan. I am. I'm also very lonely during quarantine, so this movie helped ease that. Yeah. This movie's hot. Like, this oh, movie is- it's extremely hot. I, oh, oh, oh yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, let me give you some pre-context. Um, so I watched this movie for the first time. I knew it came out about 09, 2010. I remember seeing the behind the scenes uh, promos for it on E! News when I used to watch E! News in the morning before I got ready to go take the bus for high school. And, uh, and I, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like Christina, I, as a musician, Christina Aguilera is one of my biggest influences. Like I literally do the, like the growl that she has, um, the vibrato, um, pretty well. I mean, she's, she is like the cream of the crop, but for me, like a lot of my vocal runs and riffs kind of imitate hers. I remember having her, her, uh, self-titled debut album, like just growing up really young. And so I was already a big Christina fan. And then you take Cher, who is just an icon who has come out with like a number one single for pretty much every decade. And my favorite of hers obviously being Believe. Uh, just what a, what a bop, it's, it fucking slaps. So I would see the, like the, just kind of like those stories about it on E! News, but the thing is I didn't really get around to watching it. I don't know what happened. Uh, it just was kind of life happened. I just kind of never really got around to it. I just, I think at the time was just consuming so much entertainment news in general. And I was, I never got around to like watching those films. So in 2016, when I had moved back to Austin, I saw that it was on Netflix and I went ahead and watched it. I was like, oh yeah, I think they need to check this out. And I love these two iconic women. So why not? Um, And it immediately, it just blew me out of the water. Like the numbers are just so damn catchy. And then you've just got, like you have all these like all-star cast um, actors. You have Stanley Tucci, you have Eric Dane, Kristen Bell, who can actually sing. Uh, this was pre-Frozen. And then Julianne Huff and Alan Cumming, Cumming Cologne, anyone? Uh, Black Beauty episode for more context on that. And so I, I just really, I love the glitter. This is Olivia in a nutshell, just like seeking attention, showing off those vocals, being a badass. But I guess the shame that comes off of it a little bit is like, so this movie has a lot of cliches. It follows a lot of tropes. And now looking at it now, there are some things that didn't age well. And also like, I love the soundtrack so much. I will literally like, this is the soundtrack I jam out to like either at the gym, pre-COVID, or um, I I have a TikTok of me singing, show me how you burlesque. Um, I'll have to post that on social media for the Shame Watch channel. Mm-hmm. And, but like this, this soundtrack, like literally if I need a pick me up, I will blast this like in my earphones and I will just actually like assume that I'm a burlesque dancer. So that's Hell where, yeah. from, that's where some of the shame comes from. That's awesome. Hell yeah. So you're saying that the shame comes from you enjoying this like a little bit too much? Yeah. Like, Overindulgent? This yeah, this movie's really good. This movie is <laughs> so good, and and I, I I I watch it at least like I was telling you before the show. I watch this movie at least once a month. That's outstanding. <laughs> uh, 
Look, I love Star Trek. I don't know if anyone in the, that's listened to the podcaster is my friend. No, um, I had no idea. I like Star Trek. Like, that's something I do. But I do not watch... I, I, there's no way that I watch the same piece of Star Trek every month. Uh, that's dedication, Olivia. And for that, I think you should be rewarded by by someone not necessarily one of us sure like you, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. just in general yeah by the by the uh by the academy by the recording academy oh yes. i'll thank you guys in my grammy speech by the please way. do sure because we paved the road for you to get there with our podcast uh speaking of james's bitter feelings uh he's not <laughs> the only one that necessarily has bitter feelings regarding things that olivia likes uh in a segment that we like to call the context and this is where we're going to debut olivia's brand new sting yeah. for the context and it's going to be lush and it's going to be like a wall of sound right here just epic and everyone's going to be crying so, olivia thank you for recording that wow and point it in there for thank us you. yeah absolutely. in a review titled burlesque original published november 24 2010 from armand white of the new york press Christina Aguilera fits right in with the industry's phoniness. Aguilera's starring role movie debut in Burlesque is as inauthentic as her, as her performing style. From the moment she opens her mouth and cranks out a guttural rendition of Etta James' Something's Got a Hold of Me, the movie leaves credibility behind, showcasing Aguilera's attempt to sound like a 50-year-old black woman in the guise of white appropriation. Burlesque sells a myth about show business that is both unwelcome and shop-worn. Aguilera plays Allie, short for Alice, an Iowa night waitress who comes to Los Angeles, naively pounding the pavement until she stumbles upon a nightclub called Burlesque, where elaborate stage shows feature dancers lip-syncing to pre-recorded music. In a serious movie, this might be a metaphor for modest dreams moldering on the fringes of the corporatized superstar system, where imitation and posturing have taken the place of genuine personal expression. But instead, writer-director Stephen Anton, a former child performer, uses the out-of-time lounge as a storytelling shortcut. The musical numbers don't express anything. They take the place of a non-existent narrative. Together, Anton and Aguilera concoct a bizarre world using distracting a hyperactive editing and a gymnastic version of autotune while falsifying the way the romance, ambition, and the world actually work. Ali's vulgar drive speaks to something in Tess, the matronly and vampiric proprietress of birth... Ugh. Allie's vulgar drive speaks to something in Tess, the matronly and vampiric proprietress of Burlesque Lounge. In this role, Cher is as phony as Aguilera. Her pale, mask-like face remains immobile, yet she coasts on personality, that force of nature campiness that defines drag queen hauteur. Burlesque's notion of showbiz exploitation celebration is so distanced from the realities of art history. That's weird. Burlesque's notion of showbiz exploitation celebration is so distanced from the realities of artistry and professionalism that it immediately sends confused sexual signals. These post-Bill Clinton gyrations normalize public pandering. They proffer sex that is not sex. One tragedy of contemporary showbiz is the repetition of Bob Fosse's idiosyncratic style as the prevailing choreographic standard. Anton seems not to know what burlesque actually was. He globs hunt to the popularity of the abominable hits Chicago and Moulin Rouge, and this insincere imitation of pop history becomes the basis for perpetuating fakery. It's hilarious when Allie reads several books on the history of burlesque as if studying up, then continues American Idol style derivations to prove her talent. 
Aguilera is not an original, just a perpetual student desperate to impress. Unoriginal Aguilera takes the fun and sex out of burlesque's conceit, which already misrepresents fun, sex, and theater. Her performance can be summed up by her single-minded rule, why sing when you can oversing? Whoa, that was a lot of um, negativity. I didn't appreciate that at all. Like, he's just jealous that he probably couldn't sing like her. So I admit she oh. oversings a little bit, um, but that's part of her brand. So uh, to me, I don't know what oversinging is. So what's oversinging? Oh, you know, it. it's like you can, when you see a performer, when you hear a performer just like, there's a difference between just like regular belting, you know, like the big, the big, singer big stars like celine dion christina mm-hmm. whitney houston mm-hmm. mariah yeah but then over singing is like kenny yes well olivia you're a professional musician and it was my birthday recently i don't know if you know this yes could you demonstrate some over singing with a rendition of the happy birthday song sure yeah um let me just turn my volume down a little bit so i don't like peak too much sure so like normally it would be Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kenny. Happy birthday to you. And so that's like normal. That's a professional right there. Good God, you are so good. Oh my God. (laughs) She's a professional. I know, and she's really good. She's a fucking professional. This isn't a bit like... I'm going to jump out of a fucking window. It's so good. Good God, you're so talented. I've got got some music coming. I I would drop my SoundCloud, but I don't think this is the appropriate time. And I also don't have a SoundCloud, so... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is is over singing, so... Uh, Oh, sorry, not that. Cut that out. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kenny. Happy birthday to you. Oh my god, that's so good still! (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, that was amazing. Thank you, Olivia. Good god, like, you're so talented. Thanks. I love to oversing, so I have nothing against oversinging. But it's just kind of one of those things where, like, the listener can tell that maybe a note shouldn't be held like too, too long. Like they're really just trying to like show off, but as yeah. a show off naturally, <laughs> like that's just something if you feel like throwing in there and you feel like it's going to win the crowd and so be it. But yeah, it's, it's you, adding a little spice to it. Right. So Christina is well known for doing that. However, um, like when there's, there's a like that, like a downside to like constantly over singing and that's like, uh, like really hurting your chords like the last thing you want to do is develop nodes like vocal nodules right and that like presses 
um, it just makes it just makes things really uncomfortable. And so you hear all the time about really famous singers having like vocal cord surgery, and then like they like can't talk for months at a time because they're really just trying to let everything heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know the whole science about that. So please read up on that. Don't <laughs> don't take my general just basic knowledge on that. But all sure. I Too know, all I know is that uh, whenever karaoke opens back up, I'm not going with Olivia. Oh come on! Owen has to see how. No, so Olivia, you don't see how bad I am because no, I want to preserve the... our friendship. But that's the fun part about karaoke. Here's here's. Can I um, ask permission for a sidebar? Not uh, granted. Si- sidebar granted. Thank you. Well, here's the thing about karaoke. Yes. I, um, in the past, have um, made karaoke uncomfortable for plenty of people because afterward, people don't want to go after me. Yeah, 100%. Right. So, and I don't blame them because I I am amazing. I'm not going to self-deprecate. We don't self-deprecate on this pod. Yeah, you are amazing. Thank you. And we try not to self-deprecate in life. Um, even yeah, I like James in the beginning of this podcast. We tried. Yeah, to- yeah, James. I don't know. You I might didn't, I didn't self-deprecate. <laughs> I just pointed out. <laughs> A flub I had. That's well, not self-deprecation. We'll added no judgment. I'll, we'll I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. Um, but yeah, so I, my standard, you know, like my standard karaoke song is If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys, which is probably the most basic answer. But when you hear me sing that, you'll understand, like people understand. However, it doesn't mean that I don't like to, uh, like, you know, after I've, I've been uh, inebriated, it doesn't mean I don't like to pick other songs and, and, you know, at the end of the night, I'm kind of not as good. And so people know, uh, this is a shame watch exclusive. Oh, people know that I'm starting to reach my point on drinks when I start requesting Donna summer. So <laughs> hot stuff. That's your indicator. <laughs> oh, Olivia, then- Olivia requested Donna summer. She's at her limit. Cut her off. <laughs> no, but no, the, 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 like true story. Um, when I was in DC for the first time, I went to this bar called the light horse in Alexandria, shout out to the light horse. And they had karaoke Mondays. And I, I mean, I would, I went by myself, which I know people are thinking you went to a bar by yourself, but it like, no one was there practically. And then except for like this group of people like from Virginia beach who worked for the Navy. And I became like instant friends with them. And like, at the end, we started singing the Pina Colada song. So Hell yeah. Yeah. And they called they called me an Uber. So they were really nice, respectful nice. people. So I miss you guys. The people I met in 2018. I hope you're listening to this pod. But anyway, sidebar closed. So I like this movie and to tie it back from karaoke, I love the the performance aspect. Like I love like they said it was over edited and hyper edited or whatever. I love that. It was so cool. Like I love the editing sequences and the choreography and the cinematography. I thought it worked really well for like what they're going for. And it made me have fun. <laughs> so that's my hot take. <laughs> that really tickled Kenny. It made you have fun. Yeah, made me. Ha- it forced me to have fun. Yeah, it, yeah. By by sheer force of will. Yeah, you had a good time. Yes. What was your so, favorite number? Uh oh, man. There's so many good ones. I know. Like, I I think my favorite, just because of the montage in it and <laughs> how it's edited, was I I don't remember what it's called, but 
the one sh- where she's like all in the pearl necklaces and it starts flying off and she takes like the oh, feathers yeah. to cover up. I love that. Like that was by far my favorite like use of choreography and cinematography and the editing kind of between like her like dating um, Jack and uh, just doing that number. It was awesome. Yeah, I think it was a guy who takes his time. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But All speaking of Jack, because this is one of the few public appearances of Cam Gigante. Yes. Like post Twilight. Like it's Wait, Twilight. Twilight. He's James. What? Yeah, like the, the bad vampire that tries to kill Bella. Yeah, what? for the first movie. Yeah. That guy? Yeah. Yeah, the one with the ponytail. What? Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Hold on. We're what? holding. James, we're holding. That the first the villain in Twilight with the long hair. Yeah. Is Jack the love interest and in burlesque. Most definitely. Cam Gigande. What the hell? The, he good God. Talk about a chameleon actor. I did not recognize yeah, so there's it. There's one way that Cam Gigande has been described. It's a man of a thousand faces. I think so. And, and memorable holy- acts. Oh my oh god, those god. abs. What Good man. god. Oh my lord. He is sexy as hell. Yeah. And he was pulling off that guy liner too. Shoot, yeah. 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 Oh man. How, how do you feel about Cam, Olivia? Cam? Yeah, yeah. I uh, he Where's he, the thirst meter on Cam? Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> do you have a thirst rating scale? Because Actually, you're about to you invent know, one. I, I, uh, yes, I need to develop one. I don't know if it'll be this episode. I know for me, um, gosh, Andrew Garfield would definitely be <laughs> Ooh, like out of ten I get for that. me. I get that. And obviously, this thirst scale is subjective. But if we're talking about if this is like my new thing, like how we talk about Aaron's boy, yeah, um, Aaron's <laughs> yeah. Boy. So Cam is like an eight. He's hot. Nice. Yeah. Good like, God, he's hot. Like that's why when 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 Allie's like, you know, I thought you were gay. And I'm like, girl, no. I mean, we don't want to judge, like, off of first impressions or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying either. But I'm like, it's Cam Gigante, no. Like, like, and even if he was gay, I'd be like, hey, like, <laughs> on the 2% chance. Wanna, <laughs> There's a 2% chance. On the 2% chance, you know, you want to, you know, experiment. With <laughs> How many... Um, <laughs> Olivia, this feels like a rehearsed thing. No, yeah, I've definitely said that. Like, um, who was it? Oh, 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 Anthony from Queer Eye. That's that's. Uh, one. Yeah, I get you that. Know, he's making me like avocado toast. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Anthony, I know you're like, you know, you're not straight. You identify as gay, but on the like two percent chance. You just want to try it. You want to canoodle with a lady? I'm here. <laughs> Uh, but yes, Cam is Cam is hot. We need more Cam. We do need yeah. more Cam. Yeah. Where did he go? I know that's a good question. He's, he's not bad in this movie. No, no, I liked I liked his performance. Yeah, his see. character most of the time was okay, sure. but I think he had some questionable decisions and choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh shoot! Yeah, but overall, I don't think he is necessarily like an evil person. Mm-hmm. Unlike Vince, 
No, Vince is uh, Peter Gallagher. You mean Marcus. I, unlike Marcus. Yes. I, I confused them. Uh, Marcus, immediate fuckboy, but also McSpeamy from Grey's Anatomy. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, that, huh. that's McSpeamy. Okay. But I think his character died. But, like, all the characters die on Grey's, so. Yeah, this is spoiler. Cast of 2010. Yeah. Uh, with Cam Gigande, Eric Dane. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> His photo on Wikipedia is from WonderCon 2011, but it's like bleached blonde hair. Oh, like, it's, <laughs> um, uh, like, he's still hot and he pulls it off, but it's like... Yeah, that lowers him in, in the thirst. It, it's notched down to like a 7.75. Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, who else is in this? It's peak 2010. Oh, we've got Kristen Bell. Yeah. Look, I love me some Kristen Bell, but that was also that period where they were trying to figure out what to do with Kristen Bell. It was theatrically. Like uh she was in forgetting Sarah Marshall and she knocked it out of the park. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then she just kind of flounders around cinematically before she goes back to TV and just nails it. Can I have a sidebar? Granted. Oh, granted. Uh forgetting Sarah Marshall is my breakup movie. Okay, that's it. Sidebar ended. Well, I, I always do it because, like, it reminds me, like, there's going to be another person. Like, mm-hmm. don't, not waste your time, but, like, it'll be okay. You well, know? I feel kind of attacked right now, but also hopeful. So thanks, James. Great job, James. I try. <laughs> okay, sidebar over. <laughs> you were saying uh, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Uh, who else? Um... Stanley Julian. Tucci. Ah, uh, Tucci. I mean, the Tucci is timeless. Yeah, the Tucci is timeless. He is phenomenal in this. Oh my god! Cool. Don't. There's no bad Tucci performances, no matter what Fact. the movie is. Even if Fact. you're watching Transformers: Age of Extinction, you're like the Tucci has come, just like Herbie, fully loaded. Uh, <laughs> Tucci's marvelous, basically playing the exact same role in The Devil Wears Prada, but also, I don't care. Yeah, uh, it works. I love it. I love it. Tucci is hot Yeah, in this movie. Good Lord, Tucci is hot. Oh, man, I love that morning after scene between him and Mark. I actually where... met that guy. Really? Yeah, so, like, quick sidebar. Um, Granted. I met... Granted. I... Thank you. So, I, I met him at South by Southwest I want to say it was 2013 because I was used to work like the red carpets and stuff for college mm-hmm. at the TV station. And my friend and I saw him at the Zach theater and he was in town to promote the NBC sitcom, which was very short lived about a boy. And yeah. yeah. So I was like, Oh my gosh, like, can I take a, can I take a picture with you? And so we did, he was so sweet. Nice. And yeah. So when I saw him in this movie, I was like, Oh my God, I met him. Was it was it he in New Girl? Yeah, he's Dr. Sam. Ah, I knew it. Okay, that's who I thought he was. I'm like, he looks familiar. Sweet. Yeah. The side sidebar ended. Yeah. Oh. But so yes, I, you were that, that that morning after scene. Yeah. Uh I just I, I love that moment. It's like, oh, I was calling him what was it, John? I was mm-hmm. calling him John yeah. all night. Yeah. Uh but he was calling him Mark all My, night. So it's No, he's calling him Mike all night instead of Mark. <laughs> Nice. So that's fine. Yeah. Jeez, and, and the way he handles like, oh, okay. I also love like, oh, Allie, you're here. 
y'all want breakfast? How do you want to like, he's just so chilly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's just yeah. hang out. I'll help you. And this is a normal Tuesday for the two. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. Uh, I, I remember seeing, so I watched this when it first came out in theaters. Hey! And oh, I did, because I was like, oh, that looks fun. I'm going to go see it. Uh, and there was a lot of shame because I was a guy and I shouldn't watch that. It's it's provocative. It, it, it has all the sex in it. And uh, guys aren't supposed to like those girly stuff I put I mean, yeah, there's an inherent shame to watching anything that is marketed for women or I don't know, maybe has women as the leads. Yeah. I also even like in, growing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, even in my uh, liberal minded sensibilities, I, I still feel an iota of shame whenever I'm like, right, but I want to watch Mamma Mia. That's what, that's a thing that I want to watch. Even yeah. though I'm like 99.9% like, here we go. It's Again, still like, but Mama it's kind Mia. of a girl's movie. Nah, that's all made up. Uh, it's dumb marketing bullshit. Anyway, I okay. uh, I also because <clears throat> like it just looked like a fun movie that I wanted to go see, and I can't remember who I saw it with. Uh, I know I didn't go alone because at that point in my life, I didn't go to movies alone. Which, uh, quick aside, like <laughs> go to movies alone. It's aside amazing. granted. Thank you. Granted. Thank you. Uh, going to movies, best thing ever. I want my healthcare things. Uh, I love it. But back then I was like, I can't go to my, by myself because then uh, I, I'm a loser. That's dumb. Don't think sure. that way. Going to the movie by yourself is amazing. What? It's so underrated. Going to the movies alone. Oh yeah. It's phenomenal. <laughs> I personally yeah, feel a lot of relief going to the movies alone because for, for me and my socially anxious brain, there's so much because I love movies so much. Mm-hmm. That there's a little bit of I need to take care of these people watching this movie that I might like, so I'm constantly just like, man, I hope they like this movie the way that I like it, or I, right. I hope that they dislike it, because if if we don't feel exactly the same, then I have to do a little bit of mitigation, and I have to make sure that they know that I approve of their opinion, and I'm just doing way too much emotional labor. Yeah. And then there's the concessions of it all. I got to make sure that everyone's taken care of. And, uh, certainly that anxiety has lessened in in later years but it's still just to the back of my mind as opposed to just me going to the movies alone i can just do literally whatever i want it's great and you can order yeah you can order the chicken and the burger if you want and no one will shame you for it and won't say james you're spending too much money james is that really good for your health the james pull up what are you james doing? i would have been encouraging Sorry. you like we we did go see cats all together. We did, and yeah. I would say even though I was upset that I didn't have more than one drink, like y'all would y'all wouldn't have judged me if no, I wouldn't. Not at all. We should watch cats again. No, we should. No, we should absolutely. Inebriated. Safely. You too can. I'm not. You're saying that like that's a threat. I don't. That would be great. Me and Olivia would have a great time. We Good. would. But we're not talking about cats. We're talking burlesque. Oh, yeah. So I went and saw it in theaters. And yeah, I forgot who I saw it with. But it was one of those like uh, after the movie, like, wow, that sucked. And even though I had a good time, I was like, yeah, because you had to agree back then. But yeah, um, yeah, I remember like just really digging everything. Like 
it was fun. And I even rewatched it. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I love the ending. Like I could appreciate it on a different level. Cause like, oh, I know what they're doing. Cool. Tight. Hell yeah. Um, what are they, what are they doing? Uh, editing really well and fast and fun. Sure. It and makes just, it makes the numbers like I mean the numbers like the music itself is so catchy, but then yeah. for it to go really well with the cuts makes yeah, it seem so fun. It just pops so much more, and like I never saw Les Mis, but the thing I always like I see the clips where it's like we did it in one shot to prove that she's singing on camera. It's like okay, cool, but like you're sacrificing like good editing for that so like now you're just showing off so i hated the editing of this movie uh-oh uh, i love I, it i did not like this movie and i'm all for musicals and i did not like this movie i think there's a lot of good elements uh-huh. i'll gladly donate 30 dollars uh well, I, I didn't talk on it yet you just said you don't like it i i outright hate the editing it ruins the movie for okay me. now that's a dunk <laughs> Because uh, I think the elements are all there for something that is fun and campy, and it's ruined by the it's it's ruined by the overcutting. Uh, I was so taken aback just in the first minute, so much so that I rewound it and literally counted how many cuts there were. <laughs> There's a lot, uh, and then it gets kind of fast, like the, the opening scene in Iowa. I'm like, oh shit, well, that was fast. Yeah, so yeah. the opening, I mean, there's also so much that happens in that first scene, which is establishing Extina's alley, establishing that she's in a podunk small town, mm-hmm. uh, establishing that she's got big dreams of being a big singer. Uh, all of this is, what else? Establishing that she's a nice person, establishing that her boss is coming for her. Oh, but that montage where she like slams the chair on the stage and starts singing and then it cuts her like packing up. Sure, Slaps. yeah, but it's it's, it's it's conveying five major pieces of character information within the first four or five minutes, and it's all, along with the style of the movie. But we're not talking about just that first scene. We're talking about the first minute, uh, which is the first 30 seconds are two shots. It's the Screen Gems logo, mm-hmm. because, y'all, this is a Screen Gems joint. Uh, if you didn't know now you know you gotta know it's screen gems and then the immediate shot after that is an establishing shot of the podunk restaurant diner that she's working at uh, complete with what looks like to be a computer generated sky which is kind of fits in with the tone of the movie it's a little bit bright it's a little bit surreal and then after that in the next 30 seconds after that i counted there were 20 cuts nice in 30 seconds nice uh i i believe the human attention span is eight seconds uh so that that puts it I'll just do the math real quick. Yeah, they say, I remember this in my one year of film school that I could attend because money. Um, sure, sure. They said that the average cut should be around seven seconds. Yeah, that means that there's probably cut every 1.5 seconds. Oh, that's now, great. That's not necessarily bad. Um. We will be watching a movie later this month that also has an outrageously kinetic editing style. Uh, well, can't we say because we've already announced we put out that the banner? I mean, right? yeah, we're going to be watching Moulin Rouge. Yeah, we are. Uh, a movie that honks. 
Yeah. Uh, but but the editing in that one, whatever it does, that rapid fire editing in Moulin Rouge, uh, it's it's to evoke a mood, and it's to evoke it, it's it's to literally overwhelm the senses because you're supposed to be overwhelmed by Moulin Rouge as opposed to just the first minute of Burlesque, where you are just meeting characters and you have twenty cuts in the first. Well, I guess twenty two cuts in the first minute. That's that's insane. There is no reason. There is no reason to have 22 cuts. Well, even I'll just keep it to the 30 seconds. There's no reason to have 20 cuts in a 30-second piece where you are literally just meeting the character for the first time. You're right, Kenny. There needs to be more cuts. We need to double that. That's what I'm arguing for. There should have been at least 90 cuts. Cut what? to the chase. Cut. What? Cut to the chase. I was saying cut. No oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, and I am also infuriated by musicals that cut their numbers. Cut. Just they're cutting around in musical numbers because one of the thrills of watching a musical number is to see the athleticism that is on display. And you are literally just being... Uh, in awe of the the singers and the dancers performing these incredible feats. And I feel, for me, clearly the effect is different for, for you, but for me, uh, I, I feel like the choreography is robbed so much of its potency because your eye is literally always readjusting to what is happening. So what is the point of having good choreography whenever the, the camera is basically doing all of the work for you? Um, I thought they were working nice together in tandem. That's just me. I understand your point. Sure. Yeah, like the seeing the athleticism, I think works really well in person, but might not translate as well on camera. Because like that's the big thing for like that's why I love like musical theater (laughs) and seeing shows like that. Because like you're just in awe of all these things happening without any breaks. And I think that's worth that athleticism. Well, this is one of the reasons why I love Magic Mike XXL uh, so much because they play almost all of their dancing numbers in big wides that also don't feel distant or removed because it would be very easy to make that choreography and all the stuff that is going on in that movie feel super distant and removed. Uh, and instead, I, I, they, they managed to make the choreography so splendid that I am so invested and I'm just I'm marveling and I can see the sheer amount of talent that is going on and even though making movies is the hardest thing to do on the planet uh, absolute hardest nothing else no 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 you're right nothing else is harder than making a movie it's outrageously hard nothing beats making a movie not science not brain surgery movie top of the list I mean, at least science is, you can justify that by being like, uh, but we can save the lives of science, as opposed to movies where watching the, yesterday I watched the Aliens Making of documentary, and then they were talking about how movie making is war. What? I, I'm just over Excuse that kind of Excuse me? Well, but that's such a running uh, a thesis in so many Hollywood productions where they're like look a movie is a marathon every single second fucking counts and you better be there which is 
that's an absurd notion. That's an absurd notion. And it's just toxic masculinity trying to rear its ugly head as opposed to it's, it's creative movies are about empathy and feeling and emotion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you are doing, if if you're making that kind of, if you're making empathy machines, but at the threat of fists coming at your face, then there is a serious problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the standard quote unquote standard movie set that like in that vibe and how it's made i think needs to go away because it is not conducive to collaboration or even making good art because like everyone's so like uh tense all the time and like just i know you're spending lots of money totally get it but also like just relax you're making a movie like that's fun and cool enjoy it so that's my hot take. Yeah, uh, but we're not talking about toxic labor practices <laughs> in the Hollywood industry. That'll be overall. episode two hundred and five of not, Shame oh, Watch. Right, great, it's canon. Uh, Kenny added to the spreadsheet. All right, toxic practices in Hollywood. What yep. Was it? Oh yep. my gosh. <laughs> episode two hundred five. Great, 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 wonderful. Adding it to the spreadsheet. Olivia, uh, how how is this uh, uh, Kenny's opinion? How are you? <laughs> Well, it's definitely brought to light like the number of cuts. I need to like go back and now count them. But I do agree that like everything kind of in the beginning, you know, you want things to move. You don't want a movie to drag necessarily. Right. The movie though starts really fast. Mm-hmm. And then there's a point I want to say after the second act, it kind of drags a little bit. And I'm talking about like when Allie, you know, starts dating Marcus and then, you know, then then throw in like the drama with Jack because Jack played by Cam Gigante. He has a fiance in New York on Broadway and she doesn't know really that, or she kind of vaguely knows that like Allie is staying with him, right. you know, throughout their time in LA. And you know, which part I'm talking about, right. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. tied in with like the morning after scene mm-hmm, where they're just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, so the, like there's a big contrast there like i think this movie this movie's about two hours and i think this yeah. movie probably could have been 90 minutes most definitely like, I, yeah. like I got, cutting, cutting a few things i got Agreed. to the midpoint of this movie and i was like this feels like it's about to wrap up and then i saw that there's another hour left and i was i was gobsmacked yeah uh, that's that's the yeah. one thing and then also but that being said i also thought that Cher didn't get enough songs no. Cher, yeah. Cher only has two songs in this whole movie and it's when Did- she introduces the dancers and then she has uh then well, let me get the name of that song um and then she has the other one kind of like in the second act you haven't seen the last of me which was actually written by diane warren who is an acclaimed songwriter and that song actually was nominated for a golden globe oh uh, nice so, we stand yeah. diane warren yeah, Diane Warren is iconic in the songwriting industry. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Cher but didn't get enough songs to sing, and I was really disappointed in that. She didn't sing with Xtina? No, that's that's the thing, too. You would expect two divas, um, yeah. two pop superstars. Like, because in the beginning, she sings the, she sings the song that introduces the dancers. So uh, you see Julianne Huff, you see Kristen Bell, uh, and... 
yeah, it just, I, and, and it's a, it's a great number. You get to really see the athleticism of, of the dancers, but it's, it sucks because it's like, you know, and, and part of, part of the time this movie is Cher's character Tess. Like she's just so like, I'm going to do things my way. You know, don't talk to me like that ever again. Like I liked her her charm. Her character's great. And I was just like, I just really wish I had more music from you. Like, and I'm not saying like that Christina obviously shouldn't have any numbers, but I'm sure I'm like, there are probably like one or two songs that could have been given to Cher. I see a movie with Cher and Christina Aguilera and I want to see them sing together at Mm -hmm. one point. That's, that's what I want. And I'm, 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 flummox as to why that wouldn't happen i guess I, look i love share and also christina would just kind of sing share out of the part because her voice is so much more rich uh but also like what share lacks in vocal ability she makes up for an attitude uh, yeah I, I love me some share yeah share is share is like an amazing alto like she oh my gosh I like I just I always I always admired people who ha- who could hit those lower notes because there's a misconception that just because you can sing super high you know that that a good singer is defined by like how big your range is mm-hmm. and really it's about like how like how refined and how much um power and restraint you can you can pull off within just the amount of octaves you are allowed to sing and so with Cher, she has a different range, but it's still still huge. It's just on the other end of the musical scale, you know? And so, like, I mean, try singing Believe when you're like, believe I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't fucking do that. And it's amazing that she can. Yeah. I mean, part of that's also, that song's also heavily auto-tuned, but it still fucking slaps. Slaps. So, it slaps. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that a number with, Sharon and Christina would have really like just been the cherry on top. Olivia, so. you're an expert. What is burlesque? Burlesque. Because oh, this, was... this movie tried to answer it and I was still not clear exactly on what burlesque was. Right. I, I, don't, I don't think I can give like an accurate <laughs> this, uh, description because like I'm not I, I'm not one to have partaken in Burlesque dancing, yes, James. I had a <clears throat> old coworker who did burlesque. Ooh, what was that like? Like for your coworker? She went. Let me watch it. But uh, it uh, she did like create routines and like I don't know how accurate this is to actual burlesque, but uh, I know because she was a dancer in New York and then moved down here. Um, not to do anything like not for dancing, but uh, she just wound up here and then wanted to do dancing again. So she did burlesque and she always seemed to have fun. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that like, I, I guess before I watched this movie, I just assumed it was like associated with strip teasing and like just being really sultry. And uh, I, as I talked about in the 50 shades of gray episode, like growing up, I was a bit more crude. So I just never really thought too much about it. I kind of associated it with stripping, you know, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and so no, after like looking into it further, like it's more like a variety show that, that, you know, 
is kind of like what you would expect from just like theater in terms of costumes and and choreography. But a lot of these shows um, are kind of like, yes, you have that sultriness, that the opportunity for, you know, women to be expressing themselves um, sexually, but it's it's more just like, you know, there's some lip syncing involved. There's some singing and some, you know, some burlesque shows do singing. There's like clothing just also just depends. So it's, it's a little bit more of like a, I don't want to say vaudeville, but kind of. yeah there's definitely a heavy performance aspect to it because i mean that's why my coworker like really enjoyed it was of the performance and i mean she felt so empowered doing it too afterwards yeah and that's Um, not to say like i'm stripping from people i you know talk to or whatever that also could be a really rewarding experience for them yeah oh yeah we we don't shame stripping on this pod either no Uh, obviously because we really really love magic mike xxl so yeah it's slap uh i still haven't seen it but it's on my list and but yeah, like i haven't yeah, watched it independence day so yeah i just went to the <laughs> but um yeah i think burlesque in the, in the sense like it's it's a form of like theater and show and performance that just is it's all about empowerment and mm-hmm. it is campy like this movie is so campy but it's it's great like that's why this this movie is a cult film like mm-hmm. you have so many like just people who love watching this movie when this movie's on e like i will literally like when i'm at my parents house i will stop what i'm doing and i will watch this movie Hell just on yeah. the theatrics alone so hopefully kenny that answers your question um i don't like to do this but this movie begged this question i'm going to pick at a logic malfeasance yeah logic malfeasance I, I, I don't i don't like this piece of criticism because it's often rooted in very ugly uh instincts uh however i couldn't help but just notice this because what was established in i guess the first half of the movie before Xtina saves the show by belting out her song mid number um Tough lover. Is, uh what is what is established is that the burlesque club uh, is is lip sync only? That that's the mm-hmm. thing. And also, so they're basically pantomiming two songs. And mm-hmm. also, and also, they happen to have a full band at the same time, but they're just lip syncing to things. So that what that would mean is that this would mean that they would have to lock down singer only tracks, which to me seems way harder to lock down than a general lip sync track where you could just put the CD in and you could just sing along with it. Counterpoint. I think the band was there for earlier acts to do different things because Mm -hmm. when Kirsten Bell pulls out the chord, it completely shuts off the music, indicating that it is just like a CD. Or however they did it. Because the band, sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 sorry. Like the band, also, I feel like is kind of what plays like in between performances too. Yeah, I think that's why the band's there, because they weren't supplying the music in in that in those performances. Uh, well, they should have been. Uh, also, they they did. Well, they they should have been. So, uh, am I 
second item of business, mm-hmm. Alan Cumming is into this. Yeah. <laughs> barely. Like, barely. Which is so infuriating. Uh, I am, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a film aficionado. That's why you're the chief archivist. I, I am a film person. I love the cinema. Uh, You love the talkies. The talkies, Talkies, silent films. The moving pictures. uh, The moving pictures. The The Nickelodeons themselves. (laughs) Convergence! Um, This is a long-winded say of saying, I just watched Cabaret for the first time. Uh, within the past 30 days or so. Uh, I don't know if you all are familiar with Cabaret. I am not. Uh, Olivia is nodding her head vehemently, probably the most that I've ever seen her nod her head, which I'm very pleased with. Thank you so much. Um, But this movie regularly draws parallels to Cabaret. The aesthetics are very much Cabaret. Um, Alan Cumming is playing... In his very limited screen time, he's playing a character that's very similar, very similar to the MC in Cabaret, which makes sense considering that I think his biggest claim to fame is playing the MC in Cabaret whenever it was revamped in 1991. And so he basically has a Cabaret number smack dab in the middle of it where they're basically doing some cheeky, campy sex stuff. Uh, in in the middle of it and it's hilarious uh and also there's not enough of it and it's it it it, for for me as a cinephile it just it it because burlesque is very surface level which is so fine that is i am so fine with surface level movies i i don't need everything to be uh rich text I just want something that is good on its own terms. That's that's my biggest thing. And also to kind of compare yourself to Cabaret, which is kind of talking about, at least for me, uh, the hollowness of entertainment in general and how it's kind of this escape from the creeping arm of fascism. Uh, James, you got to watch Cabaret. It's dynamite. Um, Will do. It's it it's it's a it's an awful comparison. Also, use Alan Cumming when you get Alan Cumming in a movie because I feel like Alan Cumming is in not enough movies. When you get your Cumming, you got to make sure that Cumming's all over your film. And it better be served hot. You got to have. And it better be fully loaded. Yeah. It better be hot coming all over the place. Oh boy, how far we have gone. Hey, um, I, I propose we launch a spinoff podcast to um, go against the C boys, the CUM boys, and we're going to be the coming boys. And we only watch Alan Cumming movies. Yeah, yeah. so find us on, on Patreon when we launch that, because we're coming after you. We're coming after you. Uh, yeah, take come that, boys. come boys. Could the podcast going also down. be called WAP Gals? <laughs> True, the WAP women. Like, yeah. Oh yes. man! Amazing, wow. happy for that. But yes, this movie. Uh, I and then and then um, oh my gosh, I think yeah, this movie obviously like follows a lot of tropes in terms of like, you know, Allie getting uh, carried a whisked away by by the enemy, quote unquote, the guy who 
wants to buy the club from Tess and Vince. And we find out later, like, what exactly his plans are. Um, he, like, tells Allie that he has the air rights. So, like, buildings in the area can't build more than one, one story. But then he's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, put up all these towers or whatever. <laughs> and just, it's just kind of one of those things, like, I don't know. There were just obviously some obvious cliches. And then there's, I felt like there was like a, a bit, there was, there was some, something that was lost in between like her entanglements with Marcus. And then she just stopped seeing Marcus. And then after George's wedding, which is when Jack quote unquote broke things off with his fiance, then she's like now with him, but it's just like, there was no clean break, you know? Yeah. And then, then you see her kind of like, go back to Marcus to just kind of, I guess, hang out or whatever, because obviously like he wants more um, than just like hanging out with her, but he's like, I can bring you all the right people. And, and that's how, that's how she learns about his actual plans for like real estate. But I'm, but don't you agree? There was something kind of lost there. You're like, is, so does she just kind of like flip flop to Jack or there was something there needed to be like some more clarity there. Yeah. Uh, and I understand the tension with like Jack and Allie, but it was just like, okay, that's the thing. But like, weren't, wasn't like maybe like 10 minutes ago, 10, 15 minutes ago, there was that whole montage of that tension. Like when they were fighting, cause she was hanging out with Marcus. I'm like, okay, well, where's that break with Marcus? Right, like right. I kind of got lost there. <laughs> Um, also, I really want those Christian Louboutin shoes, so please donate to the Patreon so we can get enough money for me to buy those shoes. Yeah, and also when we reach seven thousand dollars a month, we can get oh, Olivia those shoes. I mean, I'm yeah, sure we could pay for that whenever we hit our five thousand dollar goal, and also yeah. start our podcast for the Jellicle Minute. Uh, yeah, really excited to hit that benchmark, James. Uh, can't wait to watch Cats with you minute by minute. Oh my god, we got to do it. If what did once... you think about? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I, no, no, no. You talk. You, you yours is more important. I was just going to complain. Oh. Yeah. So, um, I, another thing in this about this movie, movie that I now watching it with more of a critical lens, I didn't really like the girl on girl cattiness. Yeah, that felt like, one stereotypical yeah. and two not needed. It was like well. it. It definitely still has that two thousands ease of like yeah you see somebody as a threat and and as a performer i get it believe me like i'm competitive as fuck you know there's obviously like you see somebody like stealing your thunder like professionally like but i always try to channel that you know that those comparisons or you know those things those behaviors and thoughts that may be unhealthy and i always channel it into something productive proactive so and, and like, even if I create that mental competition in my head, I'm always really civil and respectful with, you know, whomever I'm sharing the stage with or um, any of the other acts or whatever. And I use that as motivation to just really kick ass. And, but like this movie, it doesn't have any of that. This movie is, I mean, there's like, you see the girls like, you know, hey, let's go get pizza. And like, you know, that's great. Like, you know, yeah. Like, or they get excited when, Georgia um she gets engaged to her baby daddy and and all that but the really it's it's between Nikki which is Kristen Bell and Tess the owner of the club like there's just a lot of claws out and then Nikki's also out to get Allie because she feels like 
her thunder's being stolen and like Allie fights back. Like she's just like, you know, Nikki calls her a farm girl and she's like, yeah, we know a cow when we see one. And I'm just like, let's be better guys. Let's be better. Like we are better than that. Come on. I, you know, again, this was before like me too. And then all the women empowerment uh, movements going on. Uh, 2010 but- was a weird time. Yeah, I just watching this again. I'm like, we, we could have, or or when she, when Allie, um, basically infers that like Nikki looks like a man, like she's a drag queen essentially. Yeah, that was um, kind of rough. And then uh, and then when Stanley Tucci is like, uh, oh yeah, I call you a nickname when you're not in the room, and then he's like, slut. And then she's like, yeah. I heard that. And I'm like, oh, like, that's still, I don't yeah. know how I feel about that. Thoughts? What did y'all think? I mean, Tooch can say whatever he wants, and it's the most charming thing, period. I mean, that it doesn't matter how out of turn like it is. I'm just like, oh, Tooch, yeah. come on. That scene I mean, did make me laugh. Uh, but yet, I, get, I get what you mean. Like, yeah, it's still not like, huh, let's not tear down women. Oh, yeah, you're most definitely yeah. correct. And also, I'm just like, Tucci was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Tucci. I, I'm at a surface level. I'm like, oh, my God, that was so funny. Like, that's part of his charm. But no, you're absolutely like, right. underneath that, I'm like, mm. yeah. 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 But it's really, I was really, yeah, talking more about, like, the women fighting against each other. Like, being oh, yeah. Patty. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stop doing that. Let's not do that. We need more yeah. Parks and Rec type of relationships in the world because yeah. like that that show shows you how to have healthy relationships and no positive no, no, relationships. no 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 all right we need more ted lasso relationships or both no both can exist all right nope yeah you're right kenny uh speaking of aggressively putting down other opinions let's play the podcast's fourth favorite game the rotten tomatoes game and this is another debut of olivia's new stinger for the game so uh, again olivia thank you so much for making those so much wow it's so rich and dense Uh, Uh, i like how good it was yeah what was great about it is how interesting it was the rotten tomatoes (laughs) game <laughs> the Rotten Tomatoes game is based off of the website Rotten Tomatoes, a film review aggregator that takes all submitted film reviews, averages them out by a pass-fail system, then assigns a percentage on how many people might think a movie is either fresh or rotten. This is not a score that a film is X percent good. It is only a score of how many people liked it. Uh, we are going to be asking for two numbers, both the critical approval score as well as the audience approval score. And our panelists today a rare head-to-head for ultimate Rotten Tomato supremacy will be giving me the closest number without going under. Starting with the critical score out of 175 critical reviews, starting with James the Juggernaut Fight. What do you think uh, the cool rating is for Burlesque, directed by Steve Anton? I'm going to say 54%. 54%? Unfortunately, I think... A lot of reviewers have the same mindset that the uh, reviewer we had on the pod that you read. I think they had similar mindsets. So that's my answer, and I'm locked in. 54% uh, from the juggernaut. However, Olivia the Detective Suarez 
could be taking this game home. Again, out of 175 critical reviews, what do you think the approval rating is for? Burlesque. So I'm actually kind of on a similar wavelength to James, but I'm going to say 59%. (laughs) 59%. Okay. 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 I wasn't confident enough to say 69, so I'm like, minus (laughs) Certainly. Well, it looks like you'll be going home alone and 69ing yourself, Olivia, because the juggernaut has barreled through. (laughs) What else is new? quarantine problems am i right am i right oh oh man i am oh it's the dry out here sc- the critical score is 37 percent. so james oh, oh, score one for the juggernaut bitch <laughs> but olivia could even this game up by giving us the audience approval rating out of 66,135 audience ratings detected what do you think the approval rating is from the audience for Burlesque starring Xtina and Cher? I'm a, I'm a lot more confident about how audiences took this movie because mm. this movie is a cult classic for a lot of different demographics. Certainly. And I want to say 77%. 77%. The detective pulling out her eyeglasses and making sure that the evidence is pointing to something that's a little bit more positive. And the dismal rating from the critics. But surely will the walls the detective be able to keep out the juggernaut? Okay. So here's my thinking. Here's Mr. Fight's thinking. So I agree with Olivia. I think a lot of people love this film. And it's All a right. Classic. So 77%. Hold on. Hold on. I have it. There's, you said a, you there's more report. All right. But there's more because okay. I'm going to say a different answer. Okay. Here we go. I think a lot of people who might be uh, uh, in the mindset that this is wrong and should not happen, may have flooded this to lower the number. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with 70% even. 70% even. Bold gambit, James. Do you think it'll pay off? I I hope so. Well, good Lord. Looks like the detective is guilty of being a bad detective juggernaut you pulled this one through achieving a two pete fuck you <laughs> love you olivia kiss my ass <laughs> <laughs> this is what i get for winning the trifecta of the five of the 50 shades of gray <laughs> don't you forget uh. Uh, and that's it. There's no way. What, that are what was the number? Uh, it is 64%. Whoa. Okay. Nice. Yes. yes. Uh, and that's it. Um, there are no other bits except for the one bit where if there are any absent panelists, yep. they must contribute $30 to a charity of the winner's choosing. Uh, I, I'm here. Uh, James, you're here. I'm here. Olivia, yeah. You're here. Do we have any other co-hosts that are usually here, but just not... Ooh, looks like uh, Aaron. This bit will not end. Oh, no, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess Aaron has to pay $30 to a charity of James's choice. Yeah. Uh, I do. Uh, uh, all bits aside, I do want to mention a new uh, of, uh, um, uh, charity. That's what I meant to say. Because um, one of my favorite um, groups of people that play D&D 
and our very famous voice actors. Their critical role, they just started their own uh, charity foundation called Critical Role Foundation, where they help out, like, they're making a lot of money, so they're giving that love elsewhere. So if you want to donate to Critical Role Foundation, do so because they're helping people that need it. I think they're starting with um, some Native American charities. Uh, oh, it's the Native Youth and Culture Fund right now. That's excellent. So, yeah. Uh, if ever I get to choose a charity, it will always be the Critical Role Foundation because they're a bunch of group, cool people that uh, really want to make the world a better place. That's where I will be sending my $30 for the week to the Critical Role Foundation. And I suggest you as a listener should also throw them a couple bucks as well. They're cool people. Watch Critical Role. Critical Role, please have me on. I love you. Okay. Enough bits. Uh, before we go into our final stretch from Mr. Flight, I would like to read this piece of trivia from IMDb uh, yes. regarding Cher and her opinions of the film that she was a star in. Cher has stated that she felt this could have been a much better film, pinning the blame on its writer-director, Steve Anton. And I quote, terrible director really terrible director and really terrible script i remember him saying to me i don't care about what you say i just want to shoot the dance numbers she also added that it had had it been shorter it would have squeaked by and been a really good popcorn movie yeah (laughs) i honestly kind of agree with that because uh it definitely felt like the attention was on the dance numbers Look, Sharon yeah. knows what she's talking about. She's an Oscar winner. Yes. Yeah. We stand, we stand the Oscars. We stand uh, uh, love. That's we stand our, uh, <laughs> uh, Most importantly, we stand Tucci. Yes. And Tucci we trust. That's uh, also part of our merch. Oh, man. I want that as a shirt. Like and a Tucci quarter. we trust. And instead of George Washington on the quarter, it's Tucci. And instead of In God We Trust, it's In Tucci We Trust. Uh, please put that in our spreadsheet. So you put I put it in the spreadsheet. Because there's a whole merch tab now. But that's behind the scenes. And I'm going to end the episode now. That's been our episode of Shame Watch. Thank you to Denise Hudson for our rockin' theme song. And to James Garcia for our artwork. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Shame Watch on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Have suggestions, questions, comments, or general tomfoolery you want to contribute to the pod? Send it our way. Visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at ShameWatchPod so we can talk with you. Finally, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash shamewatch. It does cost money to put out superb content like this pod, so even a $1 donation can make a huge difference. And now, everyone's favorite point in the evening. I get to quiz you about our rewards olivia mm-hmm. what's our ten dollar level at the ten dollar tier you can get all of the bonus content from the lower tiers and this includes the movie commentary episodes we put out shame watch tv behind the scenes content you get the pre-show bits but at the ten dollar level specifically you get a photo of one of the host's feet <laughs> and the haiku that's written by james or aaron which really, you really can't miss out on. And Kenny, what's at that $7 level? 
That's the remorseful level where you get special behind the scenes that you can't get anywhere else, as well as all the great goodness that you can get up. Both are guilty and shameful level. And Aaron, you're not here, so we can't cut to you. But at the $5 level, you get the pre-show bits that we talk about before we even start recording and the stories we have and the adventures we're on. Uh, you also get Olivia's headshot, which will happen at some point, probably after yes. COVID, when it's safe to do those things again. Um, and at the $2 level, you get to listen to our commentary episodes, our marathon episodes, and Shame Watch TV. And I could just shout your name on the podcast. So I'm going to do that now. Uh, starting with Kenny Madison. Of Boston, Texas. Aaron O. Salinas. Of Boston, Texas. Gene Fight. A Bowling Green, Ohio. Alan Smith. From Leander, Texas. Riley McPherson. From Tulsa. Okay. Jennifer Steinberg. From Austin, Texas. Herc. From Austin, Texas. Ian Keegan. From Gillette, Wyoming. Danny Cantu. From San Marcos, Texas. Miranda Suarez. From San Antonio, Texas. Irene Suarez. From San Antonio, Texas. And Nolan Barger. From Oklahoma City. Okay. Until next time. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Both were wait. Oh, my God. Kenny, you go first, because I feel like I have the closer. Oh, of course. What the hell is that podcast doing here? I want that bitch out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Show a little more. Show a little less. Add a little smoke. Welcome to podcast. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> oh okay. Well, until next time, our watch has now ended. Dive at your own risk. God, Olivia, you are so good. <laughs> <laughs>